Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Thrifty Marketer Podcast. Today, we will be chatting with Shep Hyken, the leading customer experience and customer service expert, about customer experience tactics for 2021 and beyond. Shep Hyken is the chief amazement officer of Shepherd Presentations. He is a New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author and has been inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. Shep works with companies and organizations that want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. His articles have been read in hundreds of publications, and he is the author of Moments of Magic, The Loyal Customer, The Cult of the Customer, The Amazement Revolution, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, and The Convenience Revolution. Let's listen to Shep. So today, I have a special guest, as I have been telling you guys, I am uh, bringing the best authority uh, if you uh, on customer experience and customer service. So if you want to learn anything about customer experience, he is the person to go to. So uh, today, the guest is none other than Shep Hyken. He is a customer service and experience expert and the chief amazement officer of Shepherd Presentations. He is a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author and has been injected into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame for lifetime achievement uh, in the speaking profession. He works with organizations across the globe who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. And he has published amazing best-selling books in the field of customer experience. Some of them are Moments of Magic, The Loyal Customer, The Cult of the Customer, The Amazement Revolution, Amaze Every every customer every time and the convenience revolution he is also the co- creator of the customer focus a customer service training program that helps clients develop a customer service culture and loyalty mindset so he in 1983 he founded shepherd presentations and since then he has worked with hundreds of clients ranging from fortune 100 uh, to companies with less than 50 employees some of his clients include american airlines at&t Abbott laboratories American Express, etc. So without further ado, let me just bring him on. Hey, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Shep? Uh, good, good, good. I'm excited to be here. We've got a lot to talk about. And uh, right. thank you for that wonderful introduction. My mom would be proud. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. So uh, I know that you are, you don't have much time. So let's just oh, get into it. We've we got enough time. I've got your questions. I know where we're going. absolutely absolutely so you know Shep. you know since i've got here whenever i think about customer experience or i want to learn in my job whenever i want to read something new you your website your articles on forbes etc is my reference material so you know how did this journey of uh studying and sharing knowledge about customer experience start sure so i've been doing this uh for 38 years now uh, started in wow. 1983. Is that right? About 38 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know I don't look that old, but um, when I started, I had just this passion for customer service. I'd grown up. I had my first business when I was a young kid, 12 years old, a birthday party business. And my parents taught me about be nice to customers, send them thank you notes, follow up, make sure they're happy, get feedback. And I had no idea that that was part of customer service. So when I got into the real world and uh, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, I saw a couple of these amazing speakers. I said, I can do that. I can get up in front of people and talk. And I had a little college background. I had a, you know, graduated and 
I'm ready to do it. So I wrote this speech and I gravitated toward all the books in the bookstore about like business books. I gravitated toward the customer service books. Uh, Tom Peters and Search of Excellence was just out. Um, Ron Zimke and uh, Carl Albrecht wrote a couple of books. Um, so I bought those books, studied them, started doing the speech. And over time, my clients were teaching me more than I was teaching them. But <laughs> hey, I was hired to just talk for 45 minutes or an hour. That's all. Be entertaining, give a couple of good points. But I started to do a lot of studying and researching. And that's really where it all started. Then I started to write a newsletter and it forced me to study other companies, get case studies. And really, uh, that was, uh, gosh, I've been doing that newsletter now for 20 plus years, 20, 20 some odd years. So it's right. been a long time. <laughs> right, right. I, I look forward to that newsletter. I get it in my inbox every week. So it's it's fantastic. Thank right. You. So, you know, I just want to uh, talk about 2020, especially because it's that was been a great a, year, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So 2020, actually, uh, I spoke to Adam Toporek and his friends also about the same question. So I want to get your thoughts on it was a very different year for every customer experience professional. So how do you think COVID-19 has impacted the world of customer experience? Wow. So, um, I mean, we can go back to the very beginning of COVID-19. If you look at we're basically right about or almost to a year right now right. from when right. everybody in the world shut down. And I think the first thing that happened to the whole customer service and experience field, uh, especially as customer support is concerned, is all these call centers shut down. All of a sudden, right. there were these long lines and holds uh, to get work done. And you'd have to wait for a day before somebody would get back to you or you'd wait on phone for the hours. But very quickly, I'm going to say within a matter of a few weeks, companies started to figure it out and they they shifted and uh, what's happened is, and this is, you know, people think, oh, there's a lot of innovation that took place in the last year as people shifted. There was no innovation that took place in the last year. There was acceleration of all already uh, great technology that just hadn't been used yet by these companies. Nothing right. was invented in the last 12 months. Uh, right. but what happened is we were put into a position that forced us to start using what was there. Now, here's my take on it. If you, if we never had the pandemic five years from now, maybe even three or four years from now, we would be experiencing the same technologies that we were forced to use during the pandemic. It was just happening. It was just accelerated. So I right. think that's, that's what happened. On the customer side, the customer uh, expected and needed a little bit more handholding and empathy from the people they were uh, dealing with. And that's just because life changed and they wanted that support. So I think that the companies that were able to display empathy, care, uh, give people still the good experience that they expected, they're doing very well and better than the ones that could just do the experience without the empathy. Or even right. with empathy and not putting the right technology to use, you're still going to erode the confidence of that customer and they're going to want to look somewhere else to do business. Right. I, I, I like that because I, I've never heard this perspective before that it just... I was hoping because uh, Annette's a friend of mine and and uh, did you say Jeff Toyster or, or Adam? Adam Topper? Adam. Yeah. Adam, those guys are buddies. I'm going to, what can I say that they haven't said? <laughs> They're pretty sharp people. They really are. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, since uh, now we are in 2021, so... I want to know, uh, you know, what kind of trends do you expect 2021 will bring for the world of customer experience? 
What trends do I expect in 2021? Well, I expect that customers are smarter than ever before. They compare every company, B2B, B2C, doesn't matter, to the best experience they've ever had. Typically, those experiences are business or, or B2C type companies that are delivering uh, or in the hospitality industry. And now, like I say, it doesn't matter what you're in. So customers are going to expect more than before. But I think what's going to happen in 2021 is you're going to see the concept of convenience, which I wrote this book, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the convenience revolution in a little while. I wrote this book two and a half years ago. And there, and to me, that was uh, almost breakthrough information, competitive differentiation, if you became more convenient. Well, what happened is everybody's more convenient now. They were forced to be. Uh, you right. know, grocery stores, restaurants, uh, anything now will deliver to you where before you wouldn't get your groceries. Well, I mean, you could, but not many people did. Now, now it's pretty big. So I think that convenience is going to be a big trend that becomes more and more important. Got it. Got it. That's that's fantastic. We are already seeing all these things happening. Right. So whenever whenever I read uh, your articles, I see a common trend. You know, you're a big proponent of employee experience yes. when it comes to delivering an exceptional customer experience. So mm -hmm. can you can you just share your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it's real simple. Um, and by the way, if you don't believe me, um, all you need to do is who are the best companies to do business with? In other words, who is getting the highest rating and customer satisfaction uh, ratings and, and people who are excited to do business? And then take a look at Glassdoor.com, which rates has an employee rating of the experience that they have when they work with a company. And it really is amazing to see how many people are at the top of the Glassdoor list and on top of all the other customer satisfaction lists that are out there. So there's that direct correlation. Um, that's number one. Number two, the employee experience is what makes the customer experience what it is because what's happening on the inside of an organization is felt on the outside by customers. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very line to say, good line to say that. What happens inside exactly is felt outside by customers yeah. right you uh, touched upon a little bit on empathy so we mm -hmm. whenever we speak about customer experience we discuss about empathy as well empathy and customer experience goes hand in hand so what what are, what are your thoughts on the role of empathy uh, on every organization being able to deliver a good customer experience yeah so empathy actually crosses over from not just the customer experience but to the employee experience as well and um, i wrote it uh, I can't remember if I said the word of 2020 or the word of 2021. If there was a word in business, the winner would be empathy, okay? Right. Uh, because um, aside from just delivering a good product, just delivering great service, we have to prove we care about people. And right. people uh, in the last year have been very nervous, very uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about every single person. I'm talking about a majority of people are concerned for their health, their well-being, their families. And as a result of that, there might be a little frustration. Some of that uh, fear comes out in the form of anger and, and, as I mentioned, frustration. So we have to just be, if we're going to be dealing with customers, a little bit more aware of that, a little bit more willing to listen a little longer, empathize. Oh, I just went uh, dark on us here. Did my camera go out? Oh, I'm back. No, no. <laughs> oh, okay. It looked like it would. I saw it went black and then it went white, uh, regular again. Okay, good. Uh, anyway, uh, that word empathy, I think, becomes real important. We have to show we care. As soon as we start showing we care, assume everything else is good. 
uh, we're going to build confidence with the customers. And that's one of the things that get customers to come back again and again is when they have a higher confidence level of what the experience is going to be. Right, right. That's that's fantastic. So, you know, one one another thing which uh, whenever we discuss customer experience with uh, brands or clients, etc., the most heated debates happen around ROI of CX, return on investment. So is ROI literally measurable for customer experience? What are your thoughts on that? 100% measurable. You're never going to get somebody in leadership to sign off on a major investment into the customer experience unless they can see the ROI, they can see the numbers. So uh, I actually have an article coming out in Forbes. I don't know if it already came out or if it's coming out in the next few weeks. I I wrote it, but it's like, how do you get C-suite to sign off on this? Well, here's what they want. They want numbers. So we have to understand there's some general numbers that are out there. Uh, you know, you could say, well, the general stats are if, you know, you can have 5% retention of your customers. What does that mean to your bottom line? But that's general average. We got to look at our specific businesses. So I was just recently working with a client that has a pretty high churn rate where they go through their customers and have to constantly replace customers. And even though they're growing, I asked what would happen? I mean, their churn rate was as high as 30 plus percent. I said, what would happen? if we reduce that by 10%, so 30% became 27%, what would that mean to you? And because, and now we're talking about selling them a program that's gonna cost them maybe $75,000, $100,000 in, in training and everything. And they said it would probably be, you know, well over a million dollars in retained sales. I said, why don't I just work on a commission? <laughs> you know, a contingency fee. But that's what what has to happen. You've got to know what that number is. If I save you 3% of defecting customers, you need to know what your average customer is worth. And then you can put it together. And we can take a look at, they know what their churn rate is. We can take a look at it six months from now and see if if the needle has moved. And the only way it's going to move is if they make a change and they do the work. And and by the way, that's what we're sometimes hired to do is not just do the training, but handhold people, weekly meetings, every other week meetings with leadership teams, helping them understand if you want to move the needle, if you want to reduce your churn, if you want to increase the revenue of the bottom line, this is what you have to do. By the way, I believe your customer support departments can be renamed. They could be called revenue generation departments, customer attention departments, because that's exactly what their job is to do. And a good agent will take a customer and suggest they buy more for the right reasons. And that is all part of sales as well. So it all ties into the whole overall customer experience. Got it, got it. That's that's a very valid point over there. Right, so now let's talk about uh, industry types, B2B and B2C. Yes. Are there any overlapping trends in managing CX in both? And what is your take on that? Sure, well, as I mentioned earlier, Uh, I believe that even if you're in the B2B business uh, versus B2C, um, I think people in B2B are starting to expect the same levels of service they get from B2C companies. So that's number one. Number two, the biggest difference is if I'm a consumer and I'm walking into a mall and I need to buy a sweater, I could probably go to 20 different stores to find that sweater. However, if I'm in the... um, I'm in the manufacturing business and I need to find the right part to go into my products. There may only be five companies in the whole world 
that sell what I need, not 20 companies in one shopping mall, right? right. So the, the, the difference is the stakes are much higher in the B2B world. And I have one client that manufactures automation uh, equipment, uh, robotics and that type of thing. And they call it a generational uh, sale because if they sell today, that company won't need to replace that for another 10 to 15 years, okay? And uh, they need to make sure that 10 or 15 years from now, they're the company that's called to replace it. But on top of that, if they lose the sale, it will be 10 or 15 years before they can get that sale back. So the stakes are really, really high. So let's make the assumption the equipment does what it's supposed to do. And now we've got to create a relationship and we've got to create a, a process and a program that makes the customer or the client say, you know what, I want the equipment and that's the company I want. So uh, B2B, uh, the stakes are much higher. Right, right, got it. All right, so uh, I recently read an article of yours, uh, you know, on in the moment where you're talking about nowadays, everybody wants real-time help uh, for uh, customers that are expecting real-time help. But is that even possible or how can, if, if possible, how can brands embrace uh, in the moment, uh, maybe tactics or something. Sure. So in the moment, actually, how about before the moment? Let's go there for a moment. <laughs> how do I keep using <laughs> that word moment? Seriously, what can we do before the moment? We could be proactive. Today, there's capability for us to know, uh, especially if we bought a piece of equipment like my copy machine. If something goes wrong with my copy machine, the uh, company who sold me the machine gets informed that there's a problem with my copy machine. Oftentimes, I don't even know about it yet. When my toner is getting low, I get a box of toner sent to me because there's a sensor in the machine that's letting my vendor know. So that's before the moment. But how about right. in the moment? So what I want to do is I want you to think, and, and some of this is generational. Somebody's going to pick up the phone and make a call. Somebody's going to go online and look at a knowledge base. Somebody's going to go out to a social media channel and tweet or send a message on an app directly to the company. And that's the, in the moment for whatever uh, form or channel that customer wants to use. That's their moment. And the question is, are we going to make them wait? Can we give them a digital solution in the form of self-service options that gets them their information quickly? You know, and and uh, or if is there an easy way for them to migrate from whatever that self-service or digital solution is to getting on the phone or having an instant chat with a human, not an, an AI fueled robot. And so uh, we have to make those options available. Our customers expect us to get them information quickly. They don't want to wait. And the other point I want to make about this is that even if you do make them wait, realize the problem didn't start the moment you interact with the customer. It started long before that. They they could have been on hold for 20 minutes. But before that, the problem could have been an hour before. I mean, or maybe it's two days and now they're finally having time to call the company. Don't make it worse than it has to be. Resolve issues as quickly and ideally in the moment if possible. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. Right. So you were talking about uh, getting self-service and things like that. So customers are displaying varied interest these days when it comes to getting support. So be it self-service or agents. So I want to talk about agents and contact centers a little bit. So do you still think that having contact centers with trained agents hold a special pace when, it's come to, when it comes to quality customer service? Wait, so you're asking if, if contact centers should have 
agents. Should be sh yes, no, no. I mean, contact centers with agents are still in demand, or is it? Is oh it yeah, they're definitely in demand, uh, and they will always be in demand. Well, I shouldn't say always. Always is forever. Nothing is forever, right? <laughs> okay. Right. But for the foreseeable future, like everybody's worried that AI and digital solutions are going to kill the jobs of customer support agents, and the answer right. is no. They're going to support the jobs of customer support agents because there's right. two reasons why this happens number one agents spend a lot of time on unimportant phone calls okay right. or chats back and forth with simple things that can be handled very easily by a digital solution what we right. want to retain our agents for is to handle when a customer re really needs help we want to use that agent to help solidify the relationship with the customer so uh, if it's a higher end issue that obviously is not being resolved digitally and digital means video tutorials, knowledge bases, uh, AI fueled chatbots, uh, any other channel you might have. Right. You know, so now the customer is talking about something at a higher level. So I believe that the agents get freed up to do more of that. In addition, uh, and I know this isn't part of the question, but I'm going to share this with you anyway. AI can support the agent just like it does the, the uh, customer. If I'm a customer and I type in a question to the chat and I don't get my answer back, a lot of times it's that I didn't type it in the right way. So right. if I can type it in the right way, uh, I'll get the answer. The agent knows how to do that. So Vivek, let's say you call me, I'm the agent, and I'm listening to you while I'm listening to you. I'm typing in what I need to know to give you the answer. Even better, how about the AI you know, the computer is listening to the call and the computer without me even having to type is giving me information, not only about the question you have, but they're also telling me this guy has bought from us 20 times in the last year. Uh, right. He's called six times. Uh, he's one of our really great customers. This is probably what he's going to ask about this time because they're going to compare what you're asking about in your profile to all the other customers I have in my database. And let's right. say I have 10,000 customers in my database and you match a thousand of them. I can pretty much predict what you're going to need and what you're going to want. So I can help you even better as a result of that. Absolutely. That's, that's the, that's the right way. I, I hope people who are listening will take a note. And I, I know a lot of contact center managers will listen to this. Yeah. One right. other thought I want to share with yeah. you. And it's my, my favorite funny line. It's a funny line. Everybody worries that AI and digital is going to kill the customer support people. But you know what? ATMs, you know, the bank, uh, the cash machines, everybody thought they were going to kill the the uh, the banks and the tellers and the bank tellers. There would be no more tellers. There's just as many tellers as there were before. ATMs did not kill the teller and uh, video did not kill the radio star. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're still alive. I can't see. MTV. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when I was doing a little bit research on uh, the kind of questions to ask you, uh, I came across another important term, which I'm pretty sure you coined it. It's economy. So, you know, you, you have mentioned that in a recent article. I of yours. So, an article. I did not. Yes. Point that. Um, the gentleman I was interviewing and I'm trying to remember who it was. He, we were talking about how um, it's all about me and it, it's all about now. And, and you know, who's teaching us to expect that there's a company out there that just does a great job of making us feel that way. And it's Amazon, right. you know, right. Amazon. It's like, you want it now? We'll get it to you now. We'll get it to you like in less than two hours. It's, it's amazing. I don't even have to open my computer to order anymore. I just look over at my little 
I, I don't want to say her name. It's my Amazon Echo that's right behind me. And I just say, hey, I need more, you know, dishwashing detergent. And it shows up, you know, the next day. I don't even have to open a computer anymore. I just ask for it. So that's really what they've done is they focus so well on the customer. And as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, uh, this is crossing over into other areas of, of the world that we're in. Right, right. Absolutely. All right. Now, uh, you know, uh, final question on CEX uh, is as, as a go to authority on this, what are your top three tips for organizations who want to make CEX their competitive advantage? Sure, sure. Um, number one is to recognize that um, it's philosophical, it's cultural. So whatever your service and experience ideas are, you've got to bake it into the culture. And the way to do that is leadership has to devi- uh, define what it is, okay? What is our vision for customer experience look like? And then we have to get everybody to understand it. So that's communicating it. And then we've got everybody to understand what their role they play in that. Now, somebody may say, I never ever see the customer. I'm in the back room doing finances. Well, something you're doing, if if you're gone for a couple of days, somebody's going to probably notice. (laughs) If you're not actually dealing directly with the customer, you're supporting somebody that is or you're part of the process that is. So everybody needs to recognize what their role is. So number one is, you know, focus on the culture. Number two. Um, be customer centric. And what that means is when you make, and, and if you ask me this question tomorrow, I may give you three different answers, but right, right now, uh, customer centricity to me means anything we do as a company, any change we make, any product we roll out, any product we discontinue, any price that changes, any process, anything we will say is that we will get a, a group together and we will ask, how is this going to impact our customer. Now, even if it impacts them negatively, nobody wants the prices raised on them. Maybe there's people that are really happy with this product, but we have to discontinue. We can't get the parts anymore, whatever it is. We know there might be a negative response by the customer, but we have to understand before it happens that we're going to get that negative response. So we know how to deal with it, right? So customer centricity, when you're totally focused on the customer, it means that everything you do at least considers the customer even if it's going to be negative. Doesn't mean you can't right. do it, just know what you're getting into. So right. that's number two, uh, culture, be customer focused. And number three, make sure that everybody knows what their job is. And I'm gonna go to a Disney philosophy, and that is everybody has three jobs at a Disney theme park. And that is to do the job they were hired to do. It could be take tickets, pick up trash, help people on a ride, sell a snow cone, or maybe they're behind the scenes doing whatever. So do the job you're hired to do, take care of the guest if ever necessary, and keep the park clean. So there's plenty of companies out there that I know that will definitely grasp the first two. And if the option, you know, if somebody's in a, uh, an environment, a retail environment, maybe they're in a factory, keep your space clean. So there you go. Right. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Right. So, uh, you know, now I have some questions about you and your work. Okay. Okay. So you are a five times bestselling author and some of your books are my favorites. It's the, it's one of the, some of the best books I have read about customer service and experience. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, I want to discuss a couple of them. One is the cult of the customer. Yeah. So 
if if you if if for people who haven't read it what are the key takeaways according to you from the cult of the customer sure so uh first thing is we we the cult of the customer is what you want to do is get into what's called the cult of amazement or or there's five cults or five phases that customers go through and uh, the the fifth and best one is amazement understanding amazement is it's not about being over the top it's about being a little better than average all the time and people can predict what their experience is going to be they'll right. say things like they're always so helpful they're always so knowledgeable they're always so friendly they always get back to me quickly even when there's a problem i know they can always count on me if you could put the word always and or always take care of if you put the word always in front of something positive that's 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 uh, how you know you're in that cult of amazement on the other end which is your first cult or phase you're in the cult of uncertainty that's where everybody who does business with you for the very first time that's where they are they hope it's going to be a good experience right. but they don't know for sure and once they right. find out they go they get into alignment and they experience it then they own it because it's predictable and if that owned experience is positive then you're in amazement but that uncertainty is really a quick one you want to get out of and a lot of times companies stay in uncertainty because their their uh, service levels and experience levels fluctuate this time it's great the next time i got somebody that wasn't so good to help me and 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 we erode the confidence by having an inconsistent experience. So that's what the cult of the customer really focuses on. Fantastic, fantastic. So, you know, a uh, next book which I want to touch upon a little bit is the convenience revolution. Oh, love that you book. Yeah, you already <laughs> talked about convenience a little bit. So, what what are the key takeaways from that? The convenience sure. revolution. Yeah, so there's six convenience principles and I use um case studies from multiple types of companies, everything from ones we've heard of to ones we've never heard of from large companies, small companies, B2B, B2C, but here are the six principles very quickly. One is reduce friction. And friction comes in the form of many ways. People wait on hold, uh you make them uh go through a a, a hard arduous process. uh get rid of the friction and all six principles have a piece of reducing friction in in them so number right. one is figure out ways to reduce that number two uh self service give the customer control not just in customer support but giving them control allowing them to be in charge of their own destiny today i can go on to a car dealership or uh, a car manufacturer site and i can choose my color my engine size you know v6 v8 v whatever it is two door four door what you know everything about the car and now i print this out and i've self service my way into the next step is go talk to the dealership and see what price i get you know and right. but you see that's that's a buying experience or it could be a customer service experience where i just find information but self service is good technology is number 3 can you use technology to create a better experience think about how i can transfer money to you so quickly with PayPal or Venmo or right. if I want to make an appointment I can send you my calendar link and you, you know from uh calendar.com or Calendly all of these are technologies that make it a better experience if I'm a doctor you don't have to call my office anymore just go on the website log in and you can choose your own appointment um right. uh that's number uh 3 technology number 4 a subscription model anything that's that shows up on my doorstep on a regular basis so it could be uh um you know i i'm a member of the dollar shave club every month i get uh shaving uh blades i might have a dog food uh, dog food delivery chewy.com delivers dog food 
Amazon creates subscription models, uh, software as a system. That's all subscription. Customers love when they can predict when things are going to happen. Companies love it because it's recurring revenue. Number five is delivery, taking whatever it is to the customer. You know, before the pandemic, delivery was really special. Uh, Today, it's kind of expected in a lot of areas. It's no longer a breakthrough. It's a trend and uh, it's expected. So, but when you can take something to the customer and make it easier for them, Uh, my car dealership, for example, when I have a service issue, they bring me a loaner and they pick up my car and they bring back my car when it's finished. I never have to go in there. Uh, And finally, number six, access. How easy am I to get to? Um, If I am a 24 seven operation, I have people that'll answer the phone all day and all night. Um, If uh, I have lots of good self-service solutions, it's pretty much like I'm there for you anytime you need it, except if you need to talk to me on the phone, I'm not accessible. What are my hours of operation? Are they good for my customers? Uh, what are my locations? You know, if you go into New York City here in the U.S., you can every other block, there's a Starbucks. I know I'm going to get a good cup of coffee somewhere. I just have to walk about 100 yards. So, right, there right. you go. Absolutely. So, those are the six convenience principles. Absolutely. So, guys, uh, whoever is watching, if you own a product, own a company, run a company, work for a company, handle customer queries, etc. But read this book, Convenience Revolution. It's fantastic. Thank you. And my my final question to you, uh, uh, Chef, is, you know, how has COVID-19 impacted you and your work? Oh, and wow. how, is, how is 2021 looking up? Sure. So uh, obviously a, a big part of my job is to travel the world and go in front of people, uh, an audience and do a, a speech. So that immediately right. came to an end in March. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I see it's starting to we're starting to get booked now for that in the fall as well as 2022. Um, and but I immediately I watched what was going on and it took me about two weeks to observe. I thought, is this going away anytime soon? I don't think so. And so I have on the other side of this wall, I have a studio and I use that studio and I've been using it for years to create my videos. Well, mm-hmm. I went out, I bought more equipment, I bought better equipment so that when I do true virtual presentations, instead of in front of a large audience, I'm in a camera and there's a large audience on the other side, they're getting a really good experience. I, I have good backgrounds. I have good visuals. Uh, I'm able to incorporate a lot more. And, and I think I stepped it up. And even though I did virtual presentations maybe 10, 12 on a good year, maybe 15 over the last, I don't know how many years, webinars, that type of thing. Well, now I'm doing 10 a month. And <laughs> my, my, my regular speeches on stage, maybe I do 50 a year. Uh, those will come back probably in 2022. I'll probably have close to a full schedule. And I think later this year, September, October, November, I should be booking in person as well. So I look forward to that. And speaking right. of September of this year, um, I just was allowed to announce this uh, two days ago, my publisher said you could start telling people about your new book titled right. I'll Be Back. I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. And if you Fantastic. want to learn more, everybody can go to uh, I'll Be Back Book, but it's I-L-L, no apostrophe. I'll Be Back Book.com. And if you buy the book today, you get the free, you get the ebook free, and then the book will ship to you as soon as it comes out later this year. Fantastic. I'll be doing that today. Uh, So thank you so much. I love the title. I'll be back. 
I'll be like, back. Who does that remind you of? <laughs> Terminator. The Terminator. So my question is, if your customers want to terminate you, and I have a whole chapter and there are about 10 reasons customers would terminate you, and actually reasons why you would terminate your customer. So uh, that that's in there as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I referenced the great Arnold Schwarzenegger and his role as the Terminator. Fantastic. Although I came up with the title separate, but then as soon as I started thinking about it, I go, how can you not talk about the Terminator in this book, right? No, I loved it. I loved it. I uh, can't wait to read it. And we have come to the end of the discussion. And uh, thank you so much, Chef, for taking your time out. Thank and you. thank My you to pleasure. Cindy as well uh, for setting this up. And uh, stay safe and speak to you soon. You too. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank Take you. All right, so that was Chef Hyken, the go-to authority on customer experience. I read at least one article of his every day because my work is predominantly into customer experience and customer service, how to improve it for our client, etc. So that was uh, February over, and we have an exciting March looking up. Thank you for listening to the Thrifty Marketer Podcast. For more exciting episodes like these, please follow the Thrifty Marketer Podcast today. Now available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. See you next episode.